following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten or Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2008's Jumper, directed by Doug Lyman, starring Hayden Christensen, Jamie Bell, Rachel Bilson, Samuel L. Jackson, Diane Lane, Michael Rooker, Anna Sophia Robb, and Max Thoreau. Jumper is a 2008 science fiction film loosely based on the 1992 science fiction novel of the same name. This film currently holds a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? David Rice is a high school student in Ann Arbor, abandoned by his mother at five, enamored with Millie, a fellow student, and picked on by at least one classmate. On a winter's (laughs) day... On a winter's day, while about to drown, he discovers that he can transport himself instantaneously to any place on Earth. He leaves town, goes to New York City, robs a bank vault, which comes to the attention of a shadowy group of government hunters. Eight years later, the hunters, led by the murderous Roland, get a fix on David. He heads home, searches out Millie, invites her to travel with him, and only later realizes that Roland and his crew are seriously deadly. That is the worst plot synopsis I've ever heard. Okay, Martin Jumper. What is your history with this? I've seen this movie probably like 15 times and (laughs) I don't know. It's one of those fantasy movies where I project myself into the character and I kind of like, like a little kid pretend that I'm able to like transport and teleport myself all over the world and like what it would be like to teleport and how cool that would be. So that's probably like the main attraction for me in this movie at least, which is why I give this, I give this movie like a fictitiously uh, high score. It should not be that high. 10 out of 5. Yeah. 10, 10 out of 5 for me. <laughs> yeah, I have the reverse history with you on this. I saw this movie once. Me and my group of friends, we rented it, I guess, and we all sat down and watched it, and I disliked this movie a lot. I thought this movie was a load of crap from beginning to end. What about Hayden Christensen's acting? Hey, oh, well, we'll get to that in a second. We'll I, save that for the actor it. segment. Yeah, yeah right. Save that for the actor segment. And, oh, I just want to say quickly that I'm kind of amazed that we're recording this at all, right? Today, yeah, was, yeah. this week was not fated for us to record. My car broke down as I was about to drive. I'm sick. To your apartment. You're sick. As you can hear in my voice. (laughs) We're all on antibiotics. (laughs) We've all been given the flu shot. We've all been, actually me and Joel have been in the hospital now for like two days straight. We were just released, we were just released today and we, we went straight from the hospital to record this podcast. We still have the hospital bracelets on. Yeah, I still have a catheter in. Joel is wheeling around a saline drip right now as, as he's recording. I was seriously considering not having an episode at all this week, but we, yeah, here we are. We're doing it. Yeah. Okay, Mark, let's do what we always do at the top of the show and discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. All right, I'm going to do the flip here and uh, let's do the kids first because this movie has younger versions of the actors, the main actors in this movie. And specifically, I want to single out the girl, Anna Sophia Robb. And some of you out there may know her from The Bridge to Terabithia. Now, how do, well, how do you think she did? She did well. She, I mean, as far as uh, children acting goes or childhood acting goes, she was very competent. I thought she was the best actor in this movie. The best actor in this movie. And she was only in it for like 10 
10 minutes. Less, probably. You thought she was better than Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets a bye from me. Yeah, okay. It's bye week. Yeah, it's Samuel L. Jackson's bye week. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Here. This this movie is Samuel L. Jackson's bye week, so. Yeah, she was fantastic. This girl is someone to keep an eye out for in the future. As she grows older, I hope she continues to act because she's going to get better. She's kind of like a Emily Browning situation where it's like, you can tell that she's a talented person as a kid. So as she grows older, you know she's going to be better. Right, right. But Emily Browning was just in Sucker Punch. You thought the acting in that movie was what? <laughs> Second to none. Second to none. Okay, sure. As you choke on your, as you choke on the water you drink from laughter. Okay. Okay, yeah. All right, now let's move on to the adults here. Uh, the king of kings here. <laughs> if you say Hayden Christensen is the king of kings. <laughs> yeah, Hayden Christensen. Woo! Thoughts? Um, none. What, what, what do you mean? He didn't act. I have no thoughts on on his <laughs> acting. There wasn't any. All right, listen, listen. He up. was he, look, look. He played this, you know, piece of shit asshole who has like this ability and power, and his character squanders it. Is selfish, and his portrayal of that character. I don't know. There was a lot he could have did with it, and he, I guess, opted out. Hayden Christensen has a lot of haters in the world. A lot of people don't like this guy, but I'm gonna stand up for him and say that he acted really well in another movie. Yeah, in Broken or what is it, Broken glass shattered glass shattered glass now that's a movie that if you've never seen it i highly recommend you check it out it's a very good movie and the reason that movie works so well is because the character he was playing was this stilted wooden kind of guy and that's how he is i think he's supposed to be like a suave playboy that's how it's portrayed and it doesn't work like this guy just doesn't he doesn't have it he doesn't have what it takes i don't get it like some of his line deliveries in this movie really baffled me i was like what is happening here really star wars esque it was pretty bad. So, okay, next up, Rachel Bilson, the OC herself. Has she done anything after this? I have no idea. I don't know. I do. I looked it up. The answer is no. You mean Jumper is a career killer? I don't think that she really had too much of a career besides the OC. I think she did two other films besides this one, and then Jumper was the last one she did. She was equally as emotionless, robotic, and stilted as Hayden Christensen. So I guess that means they're a good match for each other? What's really weird is like they played off of each other's like inability to act properly. I thought they were horrible together. They had no chemistry whatsoever. No. And they were just like emotionless robots. They were terrible. Which is weird because the other movie that we did directed by Lyman, Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Smith. The chemistry in that movie was palpable. It was phenomenal. And and this is like the complete polar opposite of that movie as far as chemistry between the two leads go. Next up, Jamie Bell. What'd you think? Jamie Bell was, actually, he was the only competent actor of of the adults in this movie. I'll give you that. He was the best adult. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't say that, that his delivery or that his work was uh, really powerful. I think the material is partially to blame for that. And I think also the cast, the other actors that he was working with probably brought him down a little bit. But I don't know. He was enjoyable. He was funny. He was very uh, Puck-esque. A little Shakespearean reference there. Oh, stop. Don't, what? It's the wrong show for that. Yeah, no, no, he was. He was like a uh, funny, but like a little, a little mischievous. Kamar just gave me a roguish wink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, his his character was the most enjoyable to watch in this movie. At least he had emotion, right? Like he had like he, a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had personality. So- <laughs> 
Yeah, so by by default, Jamie Bell, he was a you human being. <laughs> Jamie Bell, by default, you win. You're the best actor in this movie. Congratulations. You're the best of the worst. Great job. <laughs> and finally, Samuel L. Jackson. I'm always happy to see him in a movie. Wait, did we do a movie with him in it yet? Um, off the top of my head, I don't think so. So this is our first go with Mr. Jackson. Whenever they do a extreme close-up on Samuel L. Jackson's face, I know I'm gonna get a phenomenally red one-liner. You know, we always joke about Nicolas Cage's hair, but Samuel L. Jackson's hair should get an, an award for it. What do you describe what it looked like in this? It looked like he was wearing like some type of like stormtrooper helmet. It was like, it was, essentially it was, uh, they took his hair and they dyed it white. Yeah, a Krylon can of, uh, spray, of spray paint. paint. And it looked like he was literally wearing a helmet through the entire movie. And it was, it was kind of ridiculous. I don't understand why they did this. I just don't get it. Because his facial hair wasn't gray. Yeah. So, so, so the character, he did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. That is insinuating that Samuel L. Jackson dyed his hair white because that was like a style choice of his. He's like, this is going to look sick. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what the hell is the point of that? Like, you mean- It makes him stand out, which is- Is he something- supposed to be a secret agent? Yeah, that's something that you don't want if you're like this secret government- You just want to hide in the shadows, hide in right? the shadows and you're going to like do this. <laughs> it would be like if I dyed my hair purple and made it into a mohawk and then started hunting people from the shadows. It's like, you stand out, man. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Samuel Jackson, he was his typical Samuel L. Jackson mode. You know, running around, screaming when he needed to scream and pontificating when he needed to pontificate. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the acting in this movie was pretty unremarkable. No, no, it, it wasn't that great. With but the exception of the Bridge of Terabithia girl, there's there's no one here that I really want to applaud. Everybody was kind of on the same level of just... If she was blah. in the movie longer and she was cast in with the adult versions of those actors, do you think that they would have dragged her down to, to their level? <sighs> to their level there? I don't know. We could dare to dream on that. Okay, Martin, let me give you the quick history of Jumper. In November 2005, New Regency Productions hired director Doug Lyman to helm the film adaptation of the science fiction novel Jumper by Stephen Gould. Before filming was to begin, the studio announced plans to develop a trilogy based on the novel's premise. Tom Sturridge and Teresa Palmer were originally cast to play the leads, but production was stopped in June 2006 after Tom Rothman told Lyman, the lead is 18. Wouldn't the movie be better if he was 25? You have a huge movie here and adults won't go and see an 18-year-old. They'll consider it a children's movie. You can make a bigger movie than that. Lyman agreed on casting older actors for furthering the romantic aspects of the film. In August, actor Hayden Christensen replaced Sturridge in the lead as David. Jumper was filmed in 20 cities in 14 countries between 2006 and 2007. For the first two weeks of its release, the film maintained its number one position in international markets while slipping to the second position in the United States due to the release of Vantage Point. <sighs> oh, yeah! Yeah, great. Yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> Not even Hayden Christensen could stand up to Dennis Quaid. <laughs> no one. Yeah. No one can the stand up to Quaid. The power of Quaid. <laughs> the power of Quaid. <laughs> Despite negative critical reception, the movie was a public and box office success. 200-something million, right? 220 million worldwide. In response to the film's box office performance, director Doug Lyman has spoken of his ideas for a sequel. Among them are that jumpers can reach other planets and travel in time. 
Let's just let them fly. Put capes on them. Let them shoot lasers out of their eyes. Yeah, as well as their capacity for espionage. He has also stated that Rachel Bilson's character will learn how to jump, hinted by David falling unconscious before the jump from the river to the library. Just as in how is that? Wait, 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 wait. How was that hinted? I don't know. Just as in the I remember. I, I, I remember reading this and I was like, "What? How is that hinted?" Like in interviews that followed the release of the film, as well as some of the featurettes on the DVD, Jamie Bell was critical of the finished product of Jumper, describing his frustration while they were shooting the film. All right, you know what the hell are they ta- going through time? Other planets? planets? What other planets are they going to jump to? Like they just jump to the moon and die instantly? <laughs> <laughs> I think, wait, wait, well, hold on, hold on. So Don't they have to be somewhere first to jump there? Like, they're going to give them a picture of a planet that no one's ever been to? <laughs> they Go to, here. No, they're going to look through like a giant radio telescope. Te- no, radio telescope, and they're going to see like wavelengths. They're going to be like, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible, terrible idea. How are they going to jump through time? What? Uh- <laughs> okay, Martin, let's dive into this. Uh, jumper, where did it begin? Okay, so this movie starts out typical uh movie grade grammar school grade school scenario everybody's everybody's a model there's this archetypal bully character and me and you were having a conversation about this i've never encountered this person okay and yeah, in uh, every movie yeah this is this is interesting because the movie starts off with uh baby hayden christensen he's got a crush baby hayden he, yeah he's he, not a baby he's like <laughs> he's like 13 i don't know what you're baby hating <laughs> so, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this movie starts off with hayden jr and he's got <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> Your son's son, it's him. <laughs> Hayden Jr. All right, so this movie starts off with young Hayden Christensen. He's got a crush on young Rachel Bilson, and he gives her like a snow globe of the Eiffel Tower because she wants to travel the world someday. That's her greatest wish. And this bully character comes up, grabs the snowball, makes fun of the girl, makes fun of the guy, makes a real rowdy scene, right? And we had a little bit of a discussion about our high school days. Yeah, I had never, ever seen a bully openly pick on a girl in front of everybody else. I think that is unheard of, right? I mean, at the very least, the guy's gonna get his ass kicked by every other guy there. It's, like, very socially taboo. And at worst, he's essentially socially uniquing himself. He's cutting his own balls yeah, off, because no, every, yeah, every he's just he's just gonna be like, oh, what a, yeah, so, what a jerk. so way to go, guy. You're never gonna get laid. Yeah, I've never seen that before, like... Yeah, yeah because he's essentially, like, he's essentially isolating himself from every other female ever. Yeah, he was like physically aggressive. Physically <laughs> aggressive towards a woman. He's like shoving her. I'm like, way to go, bro. You're never getting laid. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, he takes a snow globe and he tosses it and uh, baby junior Hayden jumps <laughs> <laughs> He runs out into like a frozen lake to pick up the snow globe. Like an idiot. He deserves to die for this because everybody knows that you're not supposed to run out onto open ice or like a frozen <laughs> river. Like it's like the one of the most dangerous things you could do. Yeah, so he runs out to the middle of the lake. He picks up the snow globe and then he falls in. Comically falls in. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Is it- and then he, yeah, and he's like, oh, whoops, he, this guy's dead. He's floated to like subarctic. <laughs> Unlike Benny the dog from Vanilla Sky. Yeah, he is not going to get resurrected. You like that? You like that? Yeah. Quick- 
thank you. Thank you. Right as uh, Death's icy grip <laughs> throttles his throat, he teleports to the most comfortable and, I guess, idyllic idyllic place for him to go to, the library? Yeah, he teleports to the library, and he brings all this water with him. It just kind of explodes. All right, I got a question for you, Joel. Let's say that you just found out that you could teleport. Oh, this is a problem. This is a big problem. What would that do to, like, your perspective on life in general? Like, how would you feel about, like, everything, everything, everything you know? I thought was right is wrong. Everything that was true is false. Existential nightmare. Yeah, you'd have like this identity crisis. Like, what? I can teleport? So this kid teleports, right, for the first time. Then he does it again later. Like his dad, his deadbeat drunken dad goes to beat him up or whatever, yells at him, and he teleports out of frustration. So he, so he does it twice. At no point does this guy go, what just happened? Where am I? What's going on? What did I just do? What is this? What am I? I hate when this sort of thing happens and it happens more often than you think where in these kind of sci-fi movies it's taken for granted that the person accepts that they have this inhuman super you know powerful ability yeah and they, no and they point, just never question it yeah at no point do they ever question it like wh- how is it that i'm able to do this what is this what is going on you know they never bother to do that like that's not, important not only that like there's this huge aspect of like isolationism that they would like probably feel like yeah i am the only person ever to have ever lived or is alive on this planet right now that that can do this. I have no I'm one a, to talk to no about to talk this. To. How do I express myself? I'm so scared. I'm alone. This is terrifying. What if I hurt somebody? Should I help people? Y- what yeah. do I do with my life? If I let people find out, will that ruin me? Okay, yeah, so you and me, we're normal human beings. Yeah, we so we we need, like, a proxy for the audience in the movie. We need somebody to, like, kind to, of To be, like, a liaison. Yeah, to, and explain to bring what's us going in, to, yeah. to help us relate to it a little bit. So, and the best way to help us relate to it is to have him freak out a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, like, what would I do if I could teleport? Like, how would I react at first, right? And you can do that in, like, a two-minute scene, right? That's not a big commitment to your movie. No, it's, it's not going to be a huge time investment to have one scene where he freaks out. Yeah. It, it makes it, at the very least, believable that he's a human being. If not freak out, how about, like, be happy that he can do it? Like, have, like, be ecstatic. Like, yeah, wow. because, because apparently he was, like, he had a pretty tough life. His, his yeah. mother left him. His father's abusive. He's getting picked on in school. This opens up doorways that most people could never have even dreamed possible. So you think he might, at the least, be elated. Yeah, so teleportation is a pretty amazing power. Once you have it, you, you pretty much remove yourself from all of society these controls that keep people in check. Like, you don't need to get a job. You don't need to own a home. You don't need to do anything, right? What's interesting, though, is, like, it'll keep you from growing as a human being because teleportation is the ultimate runaway. He runs away from all his problems. So he just, he never grows as a human being. Yeah, that, that's the thing. So so he's out living on his own. He doesn't have a job. He can't get a job because he's, like, a kid. So what does he do? He uses his powers for evil, robs a bank. They show a television right when they uh, flash forward to his future, and and there are people trapped in a flood on top of a car. They're in certain doom. The It's Katrina. It's Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, yeah. The newscaster's like, no one can get to them. Will anyone save their life? And he just like throws like a surfboard down and like, he's like, I'm going surfing, bro. <laughs> I'm like, what, <laughs> yeah, he, what an asshole. <laughs> like, he, he shrugs his shoulders like, meh. And then they show him when the, the newscaster begs for help. Could anybody come and save these people dying in Katrina? What does Hayden Christensen do? He looks over two inches to the left where the remote control is and tell him 
teleports to Indian, <laughs> grabs the remote control, turns the TV off. And then they, then they show him just teleporting around the room because he doesn't want to walk five inches anywhere. Yeah, it was uh, in this scene that I got really confused because it showed him teleporting in lieu of walking anywhere. And I was like confused. I, I, I wondered how he was so physically fit, how he didn't gain any weight. If he did nothing but teleport, he didn't walk. He didn't exert himself physically at all. Yeah. He should just be like this fat lard. Even later in the movie, when he meets Jamie Bell, he asked him like, Jamie, why are you walking around? What are you doing? Why don't you just teleport? Pretty much just to tell you that this guy just teleports every which way, no matter where he is. Yeah, and Jamie goes, I'm sorry, I like to feel normal every once in a while. Which is another, that's that's a very human comment to make. Yeah. And he's like kind of pissed about it. Yeah, so can we just sit and analyze this uh, Hayden Christensen character? Because as far as I'm concerned, this guy's an ass. He, he is one of the most unlikable protagonists ever. Is he the protagonist in this movie? Like, the entire time I'm rooting for Samuel Jackson to kill him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as much as I want his power to teleport and as much as I p- want to put myself in his position, he's a bad person. We're at this point in the movie where they tele- where they flash forward to the movie. It's the future. He's rich because he robs from banks. But leaves an IOU. It's so weird. As if he'll pay them back or something. Like he has a conscience, I guess. But his house is full of stuff that he bought with ill-gotten gains. I'm assuming he didn't go to college or he didn't finish high school. That's a fact. So he's uneducated, right? He, he's yeah, lazy. He's, he's ignorant of every negative or real human thing. That's selfish. Going on. He's super selfish. He does nothing but exist for physical gratification. He teleports to London, has a one night stand with a girl, teleports away. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. Yeah. He lives for physical pleasure. He's like a hedonist. Yeah. So this character sucks. Like <laughs> I, This person's horrible. I, I'm supposed to root for this guy? Like, no thanks. Another thing I forgot to mention about the Hayden Christensen character, uh, oh, these jumpers in general, they don't care who they hurt. Like, they'll jump from place to place. They'll take people with them and then just abandon them in like the middle of nowhere. And they don't care. Yeah, actually, uh, there was a lot of things I noticed upon this viewing because I was being critical of this movie rather than just sitting there and be like, oh man, I wish I could teleport. <laughs> like I usually do when I watch this movie. They bring people, like great example, during a fight with Samuel L. Jackson's character, Roland, they bring a double-decker bus from Great Britain and I'm assuming it at least had a driver in it. Yeah. Crashes, um, it had to kill. The a, driver, a, the driver anybody and that was anybody in else it, in it. But nobody cared. They just moved and it, but it wasn't even a plot point. Nobody even brought it to anyone's attention that there was human beings in it. Yeah, so this is around the point where we are introduced to Samuel L. Jackson's character, and he is a member of a secret elite organization called the Paladins, who apparently have been hunting the jumpers since, what, the Spanish Inquisition? Quote, unquote, the beginning. What, the dawn of time? No, that's the quote. They've been going after us from, quote, unquote, according to Jamie Bell, the beginning. So as long as jumpers have existed, there's been this secret religious sect that have gone around exterminating these people because they have the quote-unquote power of God and human beings should not have that ability. And I kind of agree with them. I have a question for you. So the, the weapons that they use in the, so the weapons that they use in this movie, they use these kind of electric guns to subdue the jumpers. How the hell are Spanish Inquisition guys going to kill jumpers without electrical powers? The biggest problem for me, for me with these fight scenes, if a human being is able to instantaneously teleport anywhere, how can you fight him at all? It's impossible. It's literally impossible. The fight scenes could have been done way better in this movie, and they wouldn't have even been fight scenes. It would have just been like a massacre. Like, anybody that tried to fight them would have been killed almost instantaneously. I, I would teleport with a rock. I would teleport the people 40 feet in the air, teleport back to the ground. They'd fall and die. I'd do that, like, instantaneously with all these different people. Yeah. There was a scene where he teleports really quickly forward, Jamie Bell's character, and punches him, essentially blasts him through this giant granite brick wall. Should have killed Roland instantaneously. I mean, their powers are yeah, they, they almost, almost limitless. limitless. So, this movie. so how do you fight 
these characters. It's impossible. After his uh, fight with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, he decides to meet up with Rachel Bilson for some reason. Instead of laying low and uh, hiding out. He's going to start involving tons of other people in this. And, yeah, and get them killed. Very selfish. Exte- he's extremely selfish. So he goes and tracks down Millie, right? And that's her name? Yeah. And uh, she works as a bartender waitress at their local gin mill. What are you got a problem with my uh you got a problem with terminology your, for bar? Your colloquialism? Yeah, you got a problem with that? <laughs> I'll add it to my lexicon. He shows up, the kid who was, I guess, a bully to him when he was younger says, Oh man, I thought you were dead. Nobody else really seems to care too much. They're just kind of excited to see him again, which is bizarre because that would blow my mind. Because yeah, I'm they, assuming they all that thought they, he died. They all thought he died. I'm assuming they had like a funeral for him because they couldn't find his body, so it was like an empty casket. People were probably like crying. The kid that was a bully to him and caused him to run out there, probably like I'm surprised he didn't commit suicide because he essentially caused this kid's death. (laughs) Like that would haunt me for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, But you know, he's just happy. He's like, I got to buy you a drink. Like what? (laughs) And then Rachel Bilson walks up Uh, again. A ghost from the past has emerged from beyond the grave. And and he, he essentially just sits down and goes, gets in a bar fight with this kid that was a bully to him because he, what he like grabs her ass or something. Yeah. he, He does. He does some, some type of molestation to this girl. They get in a fight and he teleports him into a bank vault. If they don't open that bank vault for a week, you just killed that guy. Again, yeah, like this guy's a, this guy's a dick. This guy's a, what a monster. Yeah, so he teleports back and he goes, hey, Rachel Bilson, I'm going to Europe. You want to go to Europe with me? She's like, that's my dream. He's like, dreams, sometimes dreams come true. And then smash cut two seconds later, they're in Europe. They're in They're Rome. on a plane. My question at this scene was, he just came back from he the just, dead. You know nothing about this guy. Why what are you going he, to Europe? And then Here's a better question. Just physically, how'd he get onto a plane? 9-11 has occurred, and at the very least, you need a passport. He is dead. He didn't graduate from high school. I'm guessing he didn't have a passport, and if he did, he needed to get it renewed. It's like, (laughs) come on, man. There's a picture of you when you're like, what, eight years old on that passport, and now you're what, 28, 30? How'd you get on the plane? Yeah, I don't know. Would he just jump past security? And and by the way, his carry-on luggage is filled with like a million dollars. Yeah, like, what? When that's, when, when that's going through the x-ray, like it's just like a pile of cash. It's like, it's just like, what the hell? Yeah, there you go. Great. No Nobody one bothered no to, think, bother about to this. think about this, but whatever. They're too busy thinking about Samuel Jackson's hairstyle <laughs> to think about something like that. I was too busy thinking about Samuel Jackson's hairstyle. They're, now they're in Rome and uh, they go to the Coliseum and uh, they try to get into the Coliseum, but it's closed. The cop says, get out of here, kid. So someone tells him, no, you can't do something. And, and this spoiled brat. This Spoiled, yeah. Who deserves everything, you know give it to him. You're right. That's the perfect word. He is a spoiled brat. It's like, nothing is locked to me. I'm a god. It's pretty much his thinking. Yeah, he has this horrible god complex. This totally undes... Oh, I hate this character. <laughs> the more the more I talk about him, the more I hate him. I really do want Samuel L. Jackson to kill this guy. Like, knock him down a couple pegs, murder him, and I'll cheer. It is like a law-abiding citizen all over again. Like, yeah, yeah kill him. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I... Oh, man. He gets uh, Millie's character into the Coliseum. He breaks in, opens everything from the inside. She goes, I thought it was closed. He's like, <laughs> not for me. Not for me. What a dick. He gets him in there. We we get our first uh, interaction with Jamie Bell. Finally. Finally. some Somebody to tell this kid he's an asshole. <laughs> Which is essentially Jamie Bell's character. Like, that's what his character is for, to be like. Maybe he's the audience. Maybe he's us. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Bell is, is us. He's like, you're, you're a real asshole. You suck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Paladins show up, and they attack the two guys, and Jamie... Ke- uh, Jamie Kennedy, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, Bart just almost like vomited water. <laughs> no, I just I just pictured Jamie Kennedy as Jamie Bell's character in this movie. Yeah, all right, yeah. So Jamie, son of the mask. Yeah, so Jamie Bell teleports the hell out of there. Hayden Christensen kind of slips through the wormhole that Jamie Bell creates, and when he comes through the other side, he goes, "Oh my God, I just came through your jump scar." Wait a minute. How do you know about How this? How do you know what that's called? You have never met another jumper in your life. You have no idea what is going on. Jump scar. And they both agreed that that was the uh, the term. That, that was the proper, you know, agreed upon term that all jumpers use. <laughs> jump scar. What's so bizarre about this meeting is that he realizes that he is no longer alone, that he's no longer the only person that can do this, and that there are others like him. But like, he doesn't He doesn't. He doesn't at question all. at all. It's just like, okay, cool. Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> the end. It's never brought up again. Oh, like, man, this like, pisses me off. Like, he could have asked him, like, like, wow, you can do this too? Like, are there more of us? How How is it that we're doing this? Like, what's going on? At the very least, some kind of stupid joke, like, is there a weekly meeting? Not <sighs> not even a joke. God, so many missed opportunities in this movie. All right, so his his mother walks to the door at this uh, Italian uh, policia station, and uh, it turns out that she is, in fact, a paladin. This whole time, bum, 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 conflict of interest. She left when he was five because it turns out at five years old, that's, I guess, the threshold point for a jumper to start jumping. Uh, I guess he jumped, she saw it, and she had to leave because she's sworn to kill any jumper and her progeny there is a jumper. And you know, Samuel L. Jackson finds out that that's his mom. Why doesn't he kill her? Yeah, and that comes to nothing. It amounts to absolutely nothing in this movie, right? Talk about a wasted opportunity. I know. You think that there would be like a split or like a like a faction in this cult. Yes, yes. Where like, and what, like, what that, that really is like a huge wasted opportunity like story. Like the mom should have been hunted, right? And then the son Absolutely. would help her. Oh, why are we screenwriters? <laughs> so eventually the Paladins kidnap Rachel Bilson. They have her in her apartment. And uh, so they got uh, Rachel Bilson tied up. And long story short, Hayden Christensen teleports in. And then he teleports the entire apartment complex out of there. and uh, Into like a river. Yeah, the ultimate jump. <laughs> he teleports an entire apartment away, which is an amazing feat. And then uh, he gets in this fight with Roland at the library and then I guess beats him and teleports him out into like the Mojave Desert or something on this giant he he essentially leaves him to starve to death which is the worst death yeah yeah great but Samuel L. Jackson has this look on his face like boys will, will be, be boys. boys yeah like what yeah he's like <laughs> he's like god god damn it you got me again yeah I know what a prankster like that <laughs> and I'm like what do you why are you behaving like this you're gonna die now so the way this movie ends Hayden Christensen tracks down his mom he confronts her, and we find out that he has a half-sister, a Twilight cameo, and then Hayden Christensen and Rachel Bilson teleport into the ether. I don't, God knows where they go. Who cares? They teleport into the sequel that's never going to come. Yeah. I got a quick question. If you if you had a child that was whatever, whatever you were sworn to hunt down, wouldn't that change your perspective on your cult that, that you're in? I don't think I'd want to be a part of it, right? I don't think so. And at the same time, it would it would definitely like make me question like what I'm doing to these people or at least how these people and their parents feel because now I have like a direct relation to understand what it feels like to have something I love more than anything else my my only child and then have it hunted down by people like they're trying to kill it. Well, Martin, the difference between you and this character is that you're a human being with depths <laughs> whereas these characters were one-dimensional cardboard cutouts <laughs> that only did what the script demanded of them. So, that's pretty much it. So, that's Jumper. Okay, Mar, let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. 
Jumper is a barely coherent genre mishmash about a guy who transports himself across the globe at will. Manola Dargis, New York Times. The only force on Earth so dense that it apparently can't be moved even by the movie's special effects is Christensen's wooden acting. Bruce Newman, San Jose Mercury News. And finally, Jumper never contends with its biggest liability. The fact that its main character is neither a lovable rascal nor a fascinatingly dark anti-hero, but just kind of a smug tool. <laughs> Who's that? Data Stevens, Slate. Oh, sick. Slate's, Slate's got some like great, some great funny reviews. <laughs> a tool? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, no, that's like a perfect word for Hayden Christensen. He's a tool. Okay, Martin, this movie currently holds a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? I don't think it's that bad. 16%? That's Waterworld territory. Yeah, yeah. Um, I personally give this movie, I'm going to drop it a star. I'm going to give it a three out of five. I still have fun by <laughs> Oh, we, when this movie ended, Martin goes, you know what? I think I'm going to have to drop a star. When we watched it the other night, I was assuming that you were going to drop it from a six to a five. <laughs> Something like that. No, no, this movie is a four out of, it was a four out of five for me. As I mean, as we watch it and we pick out all these critical, you know, problems with the script and the story and the acting <laughs> and the overall. You, you did it to yourself. Man. Yeah, I, 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 well, you helped. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going to like get over this whole like contending aspect. Like, should I just enjoy the movie for what it is or should I actually like break the movie down and like break it down by story by actor by directing break by, it down into its component parts break it down to its component analyze parts it. and analyze it like piece by piece I mean like I try to do I try to leave a little bit of both so I can see a movie as a whole and judge it on its like parts do you find that you overanalyze every movie now because of this show Ab- or, absolutely or, and it's and it's a curse or do you think you do it more with the movies that we watch if, if we were watching a movie on, on your own do you think you'd still do it or, or what unfortunately like this podcast podcast has cursed me. I, uh, every movie I watch, I find myself even not even like I do it unconsciously. I'm analyzing it. I'm critiquing it. I'm critiquing the way that the shot is set up, the way something looks, the way that the cinematography is, is made, the acting, how people interact with their characters, how the story's written. And it's like, I don't want to do that because it takes me out of the movie in the moment. And it, it just, I don't know. I, the, You're yeah. honing your craft. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm ruining Sharpening your skills. Yeah. I'm wasting the $14 I paid to go see the movie. It's like, it's, it's not like I have a press pass where I could just walk in. Oh, I'm a critic. It was a perf- free screening. Like, <laughs> no, I have to pay for the, I have to pay for these movies and I'm ruining for myself. <laughs> so this movie is a three out of five for me. You liked it. I liked it. You I enjoyed still, you it. You still like it. I still like it. It's definitely a genre movie. Just don't think too hard. Just enjoy it. Just, yeah, this isn't something that you sit down and like overanalyze. Just enjoy the ride for what it is. Okay. As for me, is it really that bad? No, I don't, I think, you know, 16% that's really harsh. I'm going to go with a light three. Like a three out of five. You know, really, really light three. I hated this movie when I first saw it, but I feel a lot more lenient towards it now. It's very well directed. I'll give him that. Like, it's competently shot. It looks good. Like we said earlier that they went to all those different places to shoot this movie, and I'm glad they did. Like, it gave it more realism. Like, it's not like some stupid green screen movie. It definitely helps. That's for sure. It it, it helps you believe that they are actually globe trotting and yeah, teleporting. Yeah, like this, this travel log kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, but aside from, but but again, you know, Hayden Christian's character, he is a big tool and... (laughs) 
a lot of dumb stuff in it, but yeah, I guess if you just want to watch a movie for fun, you know, silly movie, shut your brain off, it's on TV or whatever. Yeah, go for it. You could do a lot worse than this. All right. Yeah. So I guess my opinion of it went up since my last movie. And mine went, we- mine went down. Oh, look at that. And, but now and we're here even, we are so on, on, on equal ground and we like kind of promised that that we would not agree on this movie. And here we are agreeing at the end anyway. <laughs> yeah, we started on different ends of the spectrum and now we're back where we started. Oh, great. Okay, Martin, we got a surprising amount of voicemails on this movie. But they're they're all full of malice though. <laughs> <laughs> Malicious intent. All right, let me play for these for you right now. To listen to your messages, press one. Hey guys, this is Shannon from Mobile, Ohio. Hey guys, it's Marlene from New Jersey again. Hi, this is Christine from Chicago. Oh, hi guys, listen, this is uh, Joe from Pennsylvania. Hey guys, it's Kevin. Hey guys, you know me, it's Jay-Z. You know, because it rhymes, you see. Not like, I don't know, Leo, which doesn't rhyme. So, no, I don't know you, Leo, because it doesn't even rhyme. Choose a cool catchphrase, you know, make it rhyme. You know, and that's J-V, not J-Z, because then it wouldn't even rhyme in the first place. That's how you know that it's a V, not a, you know, the letter Z. Anyway, jumper. I could not let you record a jumper episode without getting my two cents in. Sure, you can nitpick about Hayden Christensen's total lack of emotion and Sam Jackson simply being a parody of Sam Jackson at this point, but I'm a huge supporter of that movie. At under an hour and a half long, it is great mindless action, and it's just a lot of fun. Let's be honest what it is. It's Nightcrawler the movie. How can that not be enjoyable? Every time the movie's on FX, I cancel all my plans, I nestle on the couch, and I get ready to have some fun. I hope you guys had some fun watching it, too. Peace. I thought it was really, really bad. uh, The performances were all across the board. You're awful or wasted. I mean, Hayes Christian and Rachel Bilson had no chemistry, and he was a complete complete asshole, and hers was just pretty much act like a hostage all the way through. Um, And... Samuel Jackson was all this boring, and Diane Lane and Michael Rooker was completely wasted. Tucker is a movie that I also don't particularly care for. I don't hate it so much as Tucker Punch, but I'm not a huge fan of the movie. And only, the only reason why I don't like Jumper is because I'm kind of disappointed in the way it turned out. They could have expanded on that whole war between the Jumpers and Samuel Jackson's group of people, who I can't even think of right now, because I'm, the only really good part of that movie was Jamie Bell's character. He's a lot of fun, and he's usually pretty good in almost everything that he does, even when he's in horrible movies like Jumper or The Eagle, for that matter. He tends to bring a lot of gravitas to his role. Rachel Bilson, on the other hand, is not that great of a um, supporting character, shall we say. I mean, she did come from the OC not too long before she did Jumper, so you can't really expect much out of her performance. But she doesn't seem to be doing much better in that arena when it comes to most of her movie roles. Even when I saw it the first time, Rachel Bilson's character is so incredibly stupid and shallow. Like, she has absolutely no depth whatsoever. He asks her to go to Rome, and she's just, okay, like, no thoughts go into this. They're just going to Rome. Like, she barely knows this guy. She hasn't seen him in years. And then the Colosseum is closed, and it's like, oh, I know a way in. Oh, this gate is open. Let's just go in the Colosseum. And even after, you know, the Samuel Jackson and his crew try to take him or, you know, start attacking. She she doesn't, like, I would be piecing out of there so fast. 
she just stays there and I think the line she says most in this movie is what's going on she never <laughs> she never just leaves she just stays there confused and then just the rest of the plot has absolutely no substance whatsoever it's yeah, the movie was kind of boring, really boring, but it had a great concept behind it, like what movies nowadays. And, and it had Samuel L. Jackson, who makes bad movies not as bad. I mean, take motherfucking things on a plane, for example. He made that thing actually watchable. And actually, he made this movie pretty watchable. I just think it's a completely forgettable movie. I, mean, I just really did not like it. It seems like I don't really care for, uh, was it uh, the actor that was in it? I just didn't care for him that when it was when he did it. I just didn't really like it. Was it Hayden Christensen, I believe, in it? I could be wrong about that. As I said, it's a complete, completely forgettable movie. But, uh, yeah, I think it's that bad. I really hate it, Jumper. End of message. All right, thanks for those voicemails, guys. Man, the hatred was palpable. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Okay, so let's read some listener mail. Okay, so Christopher writes in, and he's actually digging back. He wants to talk about knowing. Okay. All right, he says, I know I'm a bit late for this one, but I still wanted to chime in with my opinion. I really don't think this movie was too bad until it got to the ending. I can usually deal with terrible concepts in movies as long as they entertain me. In this case, the sheet of numbers. What I really have a problem with aside from Nick Cage, is the children getting abducted and taken to a different planet. I assume to repopulate and start all over. One big problem with this, though. They're freaking kids. Are they going to know how to build shelters, hunt, grow food, or take care of themselves? No! Expecting children to rebuild and start a successful society is ridiculous. Not only that, but why would aliens give two shits about another race of beings? What does it matter to them if we mess up and totally destroy ourselves? Stupid. This gets that's a one. Are they alien? But you want them to be. Yeah, I mean, they could be, uh, I mean, we definitely brought up that they could be, you know, angelic or, you know, from God or something. So if you're going to take that point, that perspective. It doesn't assuming, work. It, it doesn't, doesn't work if they're aliens, right? Yeah, it doesn't really work if they're aliens. If they're angels, then it works. I mean, they, they're literally like skipping, holding hands in slow motion to like the tree of life at the end. So like the biblical imagery in that is like overwhelming. So I'm going to say that they're probably angels. Okay, thanks for that email, Chris. Now it's time for the question of the week. And last week's question was... Can you name a positive female role model in a movie? And we got some responses here. Jason says, Ripley in Aliens. She has the nurturing, caring side to her, but she's also not afraid to tear some shit up when needed. Yeah, so the majority of our listeners picked Ripley. She's pretty much the winner here. I agree with them. Ripley definitely is a very positive role model, I think, for women in movies. Okay, JV says, Alice from the Resident Evil series. Bill says, Jackie Brown from Jackie Brown, although her character was more of a tribute to strong female leads in the 70s. It was nice to see her outsmart all the people working against her. Anonymous says, I want to say the X-Men movies. You have Jean, who's smart and sacrificed herself for her friends, then comes back as a monster who nearly kills everyone. So, no. Then there's Rogue. She starts up being a strong girl, who then wimps out and gets rid of her power so she can have a boyfriend. So again, no. Oh, wait. <laughs> Mystique. Wait, no. She runs around naked for three movies. Oh, well, well, there's Storm, who's played by you-know-who. So, again nope <laughs> Okay. Tim from Men on Film said, One flew over the cuckoo's nest, Nurch Ratchet. Never before has there been a more compassionate woman portrayed on the big screen. She's the very embodiment of goodness, as she patiently works with the mentally ill. I can't think of a warmer, sweeter woman. I will now go cut my wrists and wait for a gigantic Indian to come along and smother me with a pillow. Ellie says, Sarah Connor from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Once she became a kick-ass fighter, she would do whatever it takes to protect her son, along with the android originally 
originally sent to kill her by helping him taking on the T-1000. Danny said, I've got to agree with a few prior posts. Ripley and Sarah Connor are badass. However, my first inclination was for the bride from Kill Bill. She is a woman who just wants to get out of her profession and live a normal life. When that life is ripped away from her, she comes back for revenge. Will said, I would have to say Hermione Granger from the Harry Potter movies. She and her friends would do nothing but stop the forces of evil by using magic to conquer all. Allison says, the bride from Kill Bill or Olive Pendergrass from Easy A. Even though saying she hooked up with dudes for money and social status doesn't make much of a female role model, she eventually learns that being yourself and not bullshitting your way through life is the best way to go. Christine says, Tracy Turnbald from Hairspray. She is driven independent and will always do the right thing. Anonymous says, my pick that has a positive female role model, Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Okay, so the question for this week is a personal question of mine. I know what I would do if I had the ability to teleport, but I'm really curious what all of you would do if you suddenly woke up and found that you had the ability to jump all over the place. Would you use it for good? Would you use it for evil? Or would you just kind of just, I guess, have fun with it? Would you squander your powers by just like hey Joel don't let your morality enter into this question I'm just I'm just curious because I think that we could probably get like right, a lot right, of interesting we'll... a lot of interesting answers on this one okay what would you do with it I would use it probably to help people I hope I would use it to help people help people Pfft. What a jump. I'm going to just see movies for free all the time. Yeah, you should jump around movie theater to movie theater. Yeah, what a hypocrite. I just complained about uh, hated Christians and wasting his powers, and I'm just going like, to go to the movie. Me and you already do that, though. We we jump from movie to, with one ticket, we're able to see seven oh, movies. Sh- 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 oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Trade secret. <laughs> <laughs> For this week's question of the week, what would you do if you had the ability to teleport? Try to be as clever and as funny as possible. And we'll give you kudos live on the air. Okay, now it's time to announce the winner of the listener's choice poll. And the theme was desert movies, I guess. (laughs) And the movies were The Mummy versus The Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. And the winner is... The Mummy. Of course, Brendan Fraser. I mean, unstoppable force. He is going to be... This is our our first run-in with with Mr. Encino Man himself. Well, we had a a minor brush with him in G.I. Joe. He had a bit of a cameo. Yeah, but this is a full... Full-blown Frasier. You get a full blast, you know, Frasier face, you know, (laughs) get a little bit of that. All right, so if you've already seen this movie, give us a call at 973-797-9324. Call us up, leave us a little mini review, and we will play it on the show. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please visit our Facebook page. Hit the like button. It really does help other people find out about the show. Facebook.com slash Yeah, It's That Bad. And you can follow us on Twitter at Yeah, It's Bad. You can also listen to our show on your non-iPod or iPad or iAndroid devices. Yeah you, yeah, you can listen to it on your iAndroid devices, yeah. <laughs> you can listen to us on Stitcher, and you can get that at stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next time. Hey, 
this is Jenny, a.k.a. Buxomia, calling you from Connecticut. And I just want to give a shout-out to everybody listening in the Connecticut area, and especially that guy who left that voicemail uh, on the Sucker Punch episode. Figured I should reach out and say, hey, we're in the same state. Where are you at? So, actually, I want everyone to follow me on Buxomia, because there's quite a nice community uh, developing due to your wonderful podcast. And uh, we love you guys. Uh, I speak for many people, but we love you very much. And uh, so, soccer, bring it on. I'm going to regret that. Love you guys. Bye.